But no, you know what? You know, hey, isn't he worth it? Amen. He, do, do, you know, do you know what worship is? It is, it, it is worth-ship. He's worth it. And we need to worship tonight through our testimony. And, 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 and if you, if you want to come up here and just read a Bible verse, you know, maybe a, a favorite passage or something, and, and talk about it, or just read a verse, that's fine. And, uh, I, you know, so anyway, are you, are you ready for this? Amen. All right. Okay. Um, it'll be interesting. We've never done that before. Thank you, Chris. Why? Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll do birthdays and all that, and, and, then, and then we'll get into our testimony time, okay? Dear Lord, we <clears throat> are truly, truly thankful and grateful for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And, and Lord, I, I, I am excited to hear what God's doing in the lives of our people. Uh, it, is, it is a tremendous opportunity for us as a church family to worship you and to encourage each other. And Lord, I, I am truly thankful and truly grateful for our church family. And Lord, I just ask as we proceed through our service tonight that your name would be lifted up and honored above all things. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I, I will say this, just so that you know. I did take, a, I did take my wife has medication that I can take, but it usually takes about an hour for it to, to start working. So anyway, <clears throat> just... Uh, and it's been about 15, 20 minutes ago since I took it. So, <clears throat> Any birthdays in the last week or so? Yes, or Orlando had a birthday, and, and so did Brian. <laughs> I caught up to you again. Huh? I caught up to you again. Yes, I know. How, how, how does it feel to be old? It feels weird saying I'm 60. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> you don't feel any different. It just sounds different. You know? Yeah. It's like, man, Social Security right around the corner, bro. <laughs> now, didn't you have an anniversary, too? No. Somebody had an anniversary. Anyway, okay, so birthdays. Now, or Orlando is a lot younger than Brian. 35. Everyone knows I'm her guest at the senior dinner. Oh, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could you could you play happy birthday? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, ma'am. There you go. Amen. Amen. Okay, stand up you guys. Any any other birthdays? And no other birthdays? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Hey, Joe. Joe's right there with us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
so there were no anniversaries? I, I, th I thought somebody had a... No, no, somebody... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember texting somebody this week, happy anniversary, but it, it, no, I know it. It was Denison. It was my friend, my pastor friend in North Carolina. That's who, that's it, yeah. Um, but hey, we got some newlyweds with us. Um, <coughs> hey, they, they've made it a week. <coughs> so you're over the, you're over the hump. <laughs> Oh, don't make me laugh. Oh, oh, stop that. <laughs> oh, you know, if I, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know that you migraines have, if you push on your eye when it hurts, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, what were you saying? Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to go live and then, oh, we are live. Oh, okay. All right. So let me, let me explain. Does the audience know what's going on oh okay okay so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with Chris and I'm gonna put somebody else on the spot but a after that we're, we're just gonna go however however we feel so uh, right this is not normal testimony and I, it can be if you have a testimony but what we're trying to do is we, we need you to come up here because of the camera um, so if you do it from down there, then people out in, out in Cyberland can't see you. So, oh, oh, and yeah, and especially they can't hear you. So, so what I'm going to do, Chris is going to start us off, and then uh, Brian, would you follow? And then after that, we'll just, we'll just play it by ear, and we'll just let it go as long as it'll go, okay? <clears throat> and if you don't like this, blame him. <laughs> That's so helpful. <laughs> well, I guess I did. Well, I mean, I, I it wasn't accidentally. I, I I knew when I told Pastor, I'm like, if if he wants that, I will be first. I didn't tell him that because I didn't want him to be like, oh, okay. But I was actually really really thinking about this this morning because um, long time ago. I mean, I, I grew up in church, so I remember learning John 3.16, and I deliberately went out of my way to learn John 3.17. That was like the first verse I specifically went to learn, because everyone knows John 3.16, but who knows John 3.17? And I went and I specifically learned it to spite the people. And the number of times that God has used that on me to be like, oh, if I didn't come to condemn, why are you? Or if I didn't come to condemn that person, what are you going to do? How are you going to reach out to that person that I am not condemning? And this morning when Pastor said that, I was, you know, that God was like, yeah, see, still, still a good verse, you know. And just, it made me think about all the times that I have tried to hold God at arm's length. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you keep even a sliver of your heart pointed towards me, and I'll reach in there, and I will grab you. And I will shake you up, and I will put people in your life that will push your buttons, that will tell you the truth that I need you to hear. And it's just God has been so good to me because the people that he has put in my life and, 
as uncomfortable as God makes me. I only can praise him for that. I'm definitely not a public speaker, so uh, I guess just uh, the way God's been working in my life lately, uh, <clears throat> I was going through the, uh, through the Bible, reading it uh, chronologically, and uh, got into Job and kind of been hearing it differently than I had before I was listening to it, and uh, rather than reading it as I was doing some stuff. And it just seemed to be getting through to me a lot better. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but it's working great. I'm hearing more. I'm going back to the Bible then and reading it. And I guess what I'm really picking up out of that is humility and uh, how humble Job was uh, through all of it and, uh, you know, everything he went through. And, you know, so at my work, you know, I just turned 60 and my partner had passed away. So we hired a 19-year-old. So got a 19-year-old young man in there. And one of the first things he asked me when he was riding in my truck was, you, you go to church, don't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, what do you believe? So I know this guy's watching. You know, I told him what we believe. And uh, uh, so I know he's watching. And so it's aggravating sometimes. You know, the, the disconnect in age between 60 and 19, it's a world apart. I'm telling you, it's a whole different world. Do you parents know? So, <laughs> but uh, it's been a struggle kind of, and every now and then it'll start getting under my skin, but then I just think about, you know, these things that other people went through, and, it, and it's really nothing, and it's helping me a lot, uh, my Bible reading and listening to it and the preaching with humility. And there have been other preachers, too, that have preached about humility. That, like they say, who are you? Who do you think you are? And it's true. And so it's really helped me to try to think, try to be a little bit more godly at work, everywhere but at work and especially with my relationship with this young man thinking that he's watching he's watching this right now and the and his friends are watching him and seeing this so that's where God's been working with me lately and and really convicting me and and helped me through it and it's been a blessing really so that's my two cents Um, there's two there's two passages um, that are dear to my heart and um, my favorite my favorite two verses in the Bible are John 14 14 and 15 I'm sorry uh, 14 uh, John 14 15 and 16 Say, so if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And I just love that because, you know, at any given moment of the day, whether it's 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I've got a father and advocate I can go to. I just conversate with him all day long. And just knowing that, um, gives me such a peace and a joy that 
you know, I can look beyond everything and just go to him and any, anything I got going on. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What, you know? So though that's probably one of my favorites. And then the other one is uh, in Isaiah 6, um, 6, 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And so, you know, I, some of you may know me, some of you may not, but I'm, I'm a blabbermouth for Jesus. It, it doesn't matter where I get my truck. If anybody knows my truck, I got magnets on it. I carry a cross. I love to talk to people about Jesus because I remember there was a time growing up before I got saved, which is most of my life. I grew up as a um, Southern Baptist. My, my family's from Alabama. But... Um, when I came back to the Lord on, on um, 729, 2012, 145 in the morning, time and day and time which I'll never forget, um, it was like the whole weight of the world just came off me. And I look at it this way. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, there's a song I love to sing. If it's okay with you, I'm going to sing it right quick. Um, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their faith. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk, not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. And I can tell you that the more I wait on the Lord, the more he continues to do this in my life. And not because I'm seeking it, he just opens that door for me. I mean, I was in Reno. I, I'm originally from Las Vegas. I mean, the last nine years has been incredible. And it's because I just wait on him. And the more I wait on him, the more he just seems to open doors and open opportunities. I prayed for moving to Fernley. People say, why would you want to leave San Diego and move to Reno? Well, there's a reason for that. I grew up in, I grew up in Vegas my whole life. Um, so, you know, when I was in Reno and I started coming out here, I said, Lord, man, I want to move to Fernley. I like Fernley. I, like, I want to be as rural as I can, you know. And here I am. I'm in a church. I love you guys, and I just I love this pastor. Um, and this is the first church in nine years that I can say I actually feel like there's a community here, that people care. He's the first pastor that's ever reached out to me in nine years. Just hey, I'm just checking on you, praying for you. So pray for this man because you guys got something good here. Amen. Thank you. all different when you get up here. Anyway, Pastor, I want us to talk about some things that are uh, happening in your life, you know, this last year and a half, and I've already shared this on Wednesday nights. To lost my job a year ago, January 3rd in January, 
February, a whole pandemic hits, and then it's like trying to find work. God really has took care of us in the last year and a half, like like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do, and trying to find work, nobody's hiring because the pandemic hit. Well, God really took care of us, but it changes a guy when you, when something that severe happens in your life, and you're like, it changes you. But God doesn't change, and it, I came across this verse in my Bible readings in uh, Malachi. As Pastor said to you have a Bible verse, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And this passage kind of has to do with it's going into tithing and what you should do and how that all works. And, but it starts off, and I'm just going to read the first half of verse 6. It's, for I am the Lord, I change not. He doesn't change at all. We change. God doesn't go anywhere. He's still there. He's still there to take care of you. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. It says here on the word. And there's, I mean, you can go through the Bible and find all kinds of Bible verses. He's the same today as it was yesterday, as it will be tomorrow. But right there, it just keeps it real simple. For I am the Lord, I change not. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. But, you know, he's got us through this last year. I'm back working my profession again. Uh, got a job that working with people that I enjoy working with that are joy to work with and they all have a good spirit about them, you know. But they may be based in San Diego, but I get to work from home. So I just gonna wanted to share that verse it just it really touches you when you realize God doesn't change. So about so several months ago, actually not several, a few months ago, God really started working on my heart about different, I guess, views I have, different beliefs I have, and really questioning why do I have this view. A uh, a good a good example, uh, one of the first things God started working on me about, and through through a friend of mine, was I was asked would I ever go to a same-sex marriage, like a, particularly like a, like a friend of mine or or a family member. And my initial response was like, no, I, I would never do that. But then I really started thinking about it and praying on it, and I really started to think, I don't have a biblical reason for why I had that view. And the more I started thinking on it, the more I started praying on it, that God really started working on my heart. That And after talk, asking Pastor what his, his view on it is, and God started working on my heart that the most important thing in any of the views that I have is, what's the most important thing is sharing Christ that the sharing the gospel, sharing Christ with people, and saying, I, I'm oh, just putting my foot down. I'm not going to go to a, a same-sex marriage of a family member or anything like that. Not necessarily saying I'm going to go there and support it or anything like that, but if me not going would hinder me sharing the gospel, what's really the most important thing there? And just a lot of different things lately God's been working on my heart about. Uh, I got a, a letter in the mail from the Arbor Day Foundation. If you don't know what that is, they care about trees basically and they and my my view kind of with when it comes to like preserving the earth has kind of always been well god's going to give us a new earth right so like kind of why does it really matter and uh, my initial response to something like that is i would just no who cares you know i don't really care 
But instead, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I started researching. I started doing some research on what is a Christian's responsibility when it comes to the earth, for example. And that's actually not actually, more I started researching, like, that is not an act, that's not a good view. God's given us domain over the earth, and we should take care of it. We can't just toss it out because God's going to give us a new one. We can't do that with anything else. Why is it okay to do with the earth? But it's just been really amazing just seeing these, God just continuing to work on my heart, just why do I have this view? Do I have this view because someone else said it? And I'm like, okay, that sounds right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that same view. Or do I, do I have the view because it aligns with the word of God and it aligns with the highest priority that we as Christians have been given is to share the gospel with people. And that's just been really, really interesting and really awesome. Just God just opened my eyes to different, what the most important thing should be. I get to break break the ice and be the first lady, okay? So you other ones. Okay, so two brief things. Um, our missionaries to Micronesia, I won't say their names since we're online in case it's an issue. They asked for prayer uh, just late, right before church. There's something, the unrest there, um, they need prayer. So if you would, and they are our missionary of the month. So they asked for very specific prayer. They need to make some very important decisions. So be, please be praying for them. Um, number two, uh, before I get to what God has just been showing me in his word, is ladies' conference is amazing. I, God is just doing so much with our little church with this ladies' conference. So if you haven't signed up, you don't want to miss. I, am, I told him today while I was working on some things, my mind, my brain, my heart is just about to explode what God is putting together. And I'm just overwhelmed by his goodness to us in our little church here and that we are looking at 50 to 60 ladies, which breaks all our numbers. And um, I, I'm just standing back in awe of what God's doing. So, so I'm going to say it again because God just keeps speaking to my heart over and over again about um, the chronological reading. And I was sharing with Pastor this morning um, what he gave me yesterday and that I can't even go into today because I'm just still... So the chronological re reading has me in Jeremiah right now. And uh, Jeremiah was a prophet during the time of King Hezekiah and Josiah and all those kings that you read about in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. And when you read chronologically, it helps your context to understand what God is telling you even more. And so in Jeremiah chapter 29, there's a famous passage there. But as I told him this morning, so Jeremiah is prophesying and saying, okay, the um, captivity is getting ready to come. You guys have, and I'm just condensing and in my language here, um, you have been so wicked. You have worshipped these other gods. You worshipped other gods in my temple, in my church. You did all that stuff. He said, I, I'm going to cause you to be carried away captive to Babylon. You are going. It put it in context. It was amazing for me to read that. But then when he tells them in Jeremiah 29, he says, "After you're, I'm going to cause you to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. So as a, if I were teaching the little children this, I would, say, I would say, okay, God's taking you from your house, from your home, and sending you to a foreign country where they are wicked. And then he says this, build you, ho you houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, 
Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. He wanted them to be content in Babylon. He wanted them, even though they were going to be carried away, he wanted them to settle and be content with where God had them. And how do we murmur here with what's going on in our country today? Not near what was going to happen in Babylon. And then he says, and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. That just smote my heart, how we complain about our country, how we complain about COVID, how we complain about everything going on. And God told the Israelites to go be slaves and build and establish and, and have your families and to seek the peace of that wicked place and to pray for that place. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. That was just so convicting to me. And um, he goes on and then he says, in the, one of the most famous passages, and we see it often on things for, in verse 11, because he says, after you've been there 70 years, I'll bring you back to Jerusalem. And he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He was sending them away because of what, had, what they had done and how they had treated him and how all their wickedness. But he says, I still love you. I still have plans for you. And that's just so encouraging to me. It was getting stale in the word, and that was me, not a God thing, in Isaiah. So I went to the pastor and asked his advice, and he redirected me to start Psalms over again. I had two tools that were not with me last time. And one was intended to be a gift for Joe, but I got it first instead. I cannot recommend strongly enough, what's it called again? The Treasury of, Dave, Treasury of David by Charles Spurgeon, right? I've got so much underlined in there, it's right up there with my Bible for underlining. Even though it's over 200 and some years old, is that about right? It's amazing. And the other one is the Warren Wearsby. So my number one take, and I'm only up to uh, Psalm 17, is that, and I've seen it several times, the phrase to the effect of, I will not be shaken, I will not be moved. People, there's a big shaking coming for all believers, and I mean a big shaking. And the only way that we can prepare for this is to immerse ourselves in the word and to memorize, which is not my strong suit, it could be an age factor, I don't know. It, but it's just, it's, it's very difficult for me to memorize, but I am spending more time in the word and much more time in the prayer than I had before I had been redirected. I'm fresh again. But I, I, like I said, I don't know why I was stale in Isaiah, probably because it's a difficult book to read, and I was just really struggling. And I just wanted to share that. And, and those two tools are amazing. I wouldn't be surprised you guys start carrying those pretty soon, huh? <laughs> They are a little pricey on Amazon. There's no way around it, but it's money well spent. And maybe I'll still let Joe borrow my Treasury of David. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that book. Three volumes. Yeah, it's a three-volume set. 
<laughs> um, I use my phone for my Bible, and I apologize ahead of time. Um, but um, this this passage has kind of stuck with me over the last year, um, while I've had a lot of big changes in my life. So Philippians four, um, starting with verse six: Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to, unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that peace that he talks about, that, well, first, being careful for nothing. Um, I think so many times we can um, put limits on God and say, well, you know, I'm going to go do this because I want this, and this is what I'm going to do, and I know that I can do this, and I can't believe that something this good is possible, so I'm just going to do what I want. And um, being careful for nothing is, I feel, in, in my life, and the way that I have interpreted it, is giving God room to do what he's going to do for us. Um, trusting in him and to have peace when we're going through a storm in our lives is priceless and the peace of God really doesn't make sense (laughs) so this last um, week I actually shared about it a little bit on my on my page Um, I had this moment where I was with my children and I was just like hold up (laughs) like our life is too good like this is this is just phenomenal too good. There's no reason that we could have just gone through everything that we did over the last year and be standing here in the situation that we're in right now. And I said, we got to pray. We got to tell, we got to tell God, thank you right now. And so we just stopped everything in that moment and we prayed to thank God. And, um, that peace though, and trusting in him has been something that I have learned a lot about over the last year. And that passage just really means a lot to me. So I thought I would share it. As most of you know, I'm Portuguese, so we're a suffering people to begin with. <laughs> but I, <laughs> all my life I've struggled with um, being discouraged, and I know that the devil knows when I'm down is when he gets me. And I had told Brian a while back, I said, you know, I think God's healing my migraines. I am doing amazing. I went from having so many migraines to, when did I have my last migraine? And then just the last few weeks, it just hit me like in a row, and they were really bad. And I got discouraged, but then um, I was reading a devotional the other day. So a couple of things. One of them, I was reading a devotional the other day, and it talked about God's will for us. And um, there was uh, three verses in First Thessalonians verse 5. Uh, sorry, chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. It says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And when I was reading this um, devotional uh, that my secret sister had given me a year ago, was talking about, you know, when you're going through pain, when you're going through trials, should you say, oh, God, thank you for the pain, thank you for the migraine? No, but just thank God that he's in control, that he's sovereign, that he knows everything, that he can do anything. And that just encouraged me. I read it. At nighttime, Brian was sleeping, and the next day I said, I have to read this to you again because it really touched me, and it made me understand, I I don't know, you know, I should know this by now, I'm old enough, but it just made me see it in a new light. It's like, yeah, we have to pray without ceasing. We have to trust in God, and we have to, um, 
thank him for everything. Thank him not necessarily for those storms or for the pain that you're going through, but for who he is and what he does for us and how good he is to us. So that really touched me. Another thing also that touched me is um, the last uh, few weeks have been kind of a little bit crazy. Um, and God has put people in my life that he's either they've said something, you know what, don't worry about that. You know, trust God. Like, and, and it's like, oh my goodness, why did I forget that for you know that little bit of time? So that's one thing. And the other thing too, like even today, uh, God brought to mind a lot of things and it's like, okay, if God wants this to happen, then it's gonna happen. Don't stress, don't worry about it, just pray about it. And then the other thing too, um, someone posted online about our priorities. And I was telling Brian again, you know, it should be God first, family second, and then work third. And sometimes it feels like Brian and I, because of things that happen at work, it's like, oh my goodness, it seems like it's work first. And that's re God's really been working um, in, in us, in our heart, about that, about how can we turn that around and make it different. Or So for me, those things have really touched me, and God's working on that. And my favorite Bible verse is John 3.16, because I learned that verse before I could speak English, and I was so proud of myself. So I still love that verse. So there you go, Okay, it's um, it's really hard for me to admit this, especially since people don't believe me anyway. But I am actually, uh, I'm actually a pretty angry person, <laughs> um, a pretty sad and angry person, um, and I'm not 100% sure when that started. Um, I think it was just over the years I could not. I didn't know how to cope with legitimate anger, but also hopelessness and helplessness and disillusionment, especially in the way that I've seen um, how the, the Department of Defense has just betrayed so many service members over the decades, including myself. and people, you know, are always surprised when I say, oh, no, I'm not a happy person at all because they say I'm always smiling, but it's because my feelings are not other people's problems, but I didn't really know how to make it go away behind closed doors, and I didn't even know why I was still feeling this way after all these years, and the last year was actually really hard because I suddenly felt like I could not get out like I was just buried underneath something and I didn't know how to get out and um, this year I had entered I'd had an episode of depression and I thought it went away but it hasn't um, when you don't feel sad it can be hard to identify um, what was happening as I just 
stopped caring about just about. I just stopped caring. And I didn't realize I was feeling this way. Um, but I was just neglecting, neglecting everything. And it had been going like this, you know, on and on and on. And a couple days ago, I remember realizing that I'm having a hard time separating spirituality from society because there's so many things that are ingrained in me that this is what you should be doing or you should have had this done by the time you're this age or this is what a successful person looks like and this is what a failure looks like and so I automatically said okay well I haven't met these this criteria of what society says a good member of society is so I'm just a failure and a loser and I've never even questioned that that was just that's just how it is and a couple days ago I was just sitting and thinking and something came to me and I don't know where it came from but all of a sudden it was just well joy the only reason why you are so angry and so sad is because you think that if you let go of those feelings you will have nothing left that everything you went through will be for nothing if you can't be angry about it anymore because you are afraid of forgiveness because you spent 15 years building this identity on tragedy and holding on to the past and that's just I don't know where that thought came from and I remember thinking well no that's not that's that no no that's not it and no that is it that is it a lot of this that has happened to you is out of your control but you have more control than you thought you did and you're doing this you're you're doing this you you're hurting yourself and it's not benefiting you it's not benefiting any you're just drinking the poison and waiting for the other person to die and um, the other thing that came up and I actually started laughing and that was the whole thing of separating society from spiritual is that reminder that I can't take anything that I have with me and I just said wait a minute what does being a loser mean according to who to society oh wait they're not wait they're not coming with me why do I care there are 8 billion people on this planet I'm not gonna meet these people why is it so important to me to prove that I'm something when I'm already something I was born something and I sat there just laughing just laughing like a maniac because it was just so hilarious that I spent so much of my life just being brainwashed by society that just worships each other and the the dollar and just everything else and it was just I just found hilarious that I'm just suddenly like huh okay I learned something it's it's really the and I realized that whatever voice was telling me that I didn't want to let go to let go of hurt and I was doing it to myself I realized it was right because I 
it's not because I don't want to be happy. It's because I have, I don't know what it feels like anymore. And I was not willing to, to not, to heal and leave that healing to God. And, but even though I had chained myself up in so many ways, I was also complaining about it somehow. You know, you know, why do you have to be this way? Why do you, why are you so weak? Why, why can't you just be like everybody else? Why can't you just keep going? And it's, it's just, that's just not how it works. And I went crazy looking for this because I couldn't remember where it was, but it's uh, one verse I found was in Second Corinthians uh, 12, 9. And it's, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It was a verse that I read over a year ago and forgot about and we re actually didn't remember it until today because there is nothing there are changes that are, that are to be made within me but it's you know I don't need to be another person I need to be what God wanted me to be Amen. Amen. and um, another verse that I had found a few months ago was Philippians 3.13 and 14. And brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God and Jesus Christ. It's just, I constantly have to remind myself because I'm so hard on myself that God did not say to me that you have to do these things to be successful. God never said that. It's nowhere in the Bible. We made that up. <laughs> and we decided on all these crazy rules to, that you know, and all these standards that none of us can live up to. And that is not my job. It's not my job to do those things. It is my job to continue to move forward and grow. And I am, I'm trying, but it was just something that just hit me over the head a couple days ago when all I was doing is just sitting by myself and quietly, you know, asking God what was what he wanted me to do and basically he said yeah grow up so <laughs> so that's it for me I was listening uh, 
to you and he's talked about waiting on the Lord. And I remember that going through an experiencing God class, knowing and doing the will of God. And one of the things that Henry Blackaby said in that is, don't just do something, stand there. So many times we, so many times we uh, think we're, we're on fire for the Lord. And, and part of what I was going to share tonight is about Acts 8 through 10. That's what I've been studying lately. And uh, <clears throat> you think about Saul. You know, at, one, at the start of 8, he's consenting to the death of Stephen. And then the next thing, he's, he's on fire for the Lord and trying to preach, and nobody's receiving what he's got to say because he is, he's not humble enough. So what ends up happening with Saul is he ends up going back to Tarsus. They have to lower him down in a basket, and he goes to Tarsus for seven years to learn humility. And I think that's what we all got to learn is that humility. There's times when we really want to work for the Lord, but sometimes we just need to stand there and watch where God is working and join him in what he's doing. But what I wanted to share was I'm in that Acts 8 through 10, and I, uh, <clears throat> because I do this study, I taught seniors over in Chester, and I taught 6 to 11-year-olds in Prineville, Oregon. It's quite a difference. <laughs> it's about the same keeping the attention for very long, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, God is always working in us. And he stretches you sometimes to, the, to where you just don't know where you where you taking me, Lord. But I, I think about because of the in-depth study I've been doing about Acts, and Philip comes to mind. And right after Saul is uh, consenting to the death of Stephen, Philip finds himself down in Samaria, preaching the word. People are receiving it, and uh, <clears throat> and many accept the Lord. And this is the part that got me is I thought, and then uh, Philip sends for Peter and John to come down and lay hands on the people to give them the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, why didn't this, the Holy Spirit just fall on them? Well, because he's, he's preparing Peter for a role. The Jews and the Sumerians despised each other. So for the Sumerians to gain trust in the Jews and for the Jews to accept the Sumerian, they had to come down there and lay hands on them. And so there was a, a, a prejudice that was relieved from Peter's heart. Uh, but then Philip, he goes, and what's God telling him to do next? He has to go meet with the eunuch. And so he goes down and he does that. And he, and he doesn't just go. He said he got right up and he went. It was like you said, willing being of a willing heart and he just went and now the Holy Spirit the, the, he's baptized and the Holy Spirit falls on him but then then he goes to as if I got it right Azorta Azorta something anyway Philip went there and he preached and many came to know the Lord but the neat part about this is then he ended up in Caesarea and God and he I think he was a preacher there and everything but he had four daughters that became prophetesses so God used Philip in a mighty way, because, and he was willing, and he did all that. But then you look at Peter, like I said, he had to get rid of a prejudice. And so they, he goes and lays hands on the, on the, um, <laughs> my mind, um, lays hands on the Sumerians. But then we hear the, the rest of it. Then, he asked, then Peter's got to learn something about faith. And he goes and he heals people. 
and he had to rely on the Lord. He had to step out of his comfort zone and, and heal people, and, and his faith grew. And then Peter... And he raised Dorcas from the de dead. And, uh, but then the next thing, which is neat, is he had a tradition to get rid of. So Cornelius the, gets a vision that he has to send to Peter, some people to have Peter come down there. Well, now it's this other prejudice and this uh, tradition that Peter's got to get rid of is Gentiles are not very good people. And it's just what I guess I'm getting at is this study you get to learn so much about if you get into it and dig into it and find out about the people and about what ended up happening with Philip and how God was growing Peter for a mighty ministry and how he was sending Saul down to get some humility so he could be back and be one of the greatest of all. So we just all, you can't get discouraged. We have to just look up and, and just accept God's got something for us and he's preparing us. There's been many adventures that her and I went through in the last years and we think that God when we went to Prineville we thought oh God's moving us up there because he has a, a mighty ministry for us up there teaching six year old to eleven year old that was <laughs> <laughs> but we had this thing vision in our mind and the next uh, six months later cancer's found and I, if we had been stayed where we were at I would have had to come and stay in a trailer or, or rent a home to come and get treatments here but I was able to drive back and forth up in Bend and I'd been seeing doctors for two years in California, but the first doctor I went to in Bend found it. So God's, he takes care of us. He lifts us up. He, he prepares us for what he has for us. So. Oh, we never did greeting and offering. That's right. Okay, so go ahead and go ahead and shut down the internet, and we'll 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 call it a night that way. Um, but uh, yeah, 